What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you late night. I don't expect, maybe we'll get a big audience, I don't know, but I don't expect a huge live audience, but there are some joining us right now. Stoked that you're joining us late night. Uh, the Bengals earlier today took on the Miami Dolphins and kind of an exciting game. The, these two teams, when they get together, man, they they come up with some pretty exciting games, at least in recent memory. So uh, the Bengals and, and Dolphins, once again, come up with an exciting one for us to watch. Bengals lose, however, 29-26. Uh, a lot of good things to come out of this one for the Bengals, though, if you are uh, you know, if you're a fan of the team and you like, you're looking at certain things and obviously what's, what's happening now is roster construction. That is what's going on. That's the hard decisions are going to have to be made here by the Bengals as they come up with the final roster. And by the way, when we say final roster, we're using that term loosely because I am of the belief that the Cincinnati Bengals will be making waiver wire claims and, or when they announce a 53, there may be a move, um, you know, depending on what happens with Joseph Osai and, you know, everything that goes with that, um, you know, there there may be some some shuffling around after they announce the quote unquote final roster. Like they may put waiver waiver wire claims in for for players. I would not be surprised about any of it. Um, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. But the Bengals lose today. Twenty nine. 26 not the, the the end result was not so much the the story of the day it's more about how did some of these players perform that were on the roster bubble how did some of these guys come in here and uh you know perform under pressure how did some of the rookies look how did some of the undrafted free agents look and who is doing enough to make a name for themselves going forward so we're going to get to the the box score and stats, which tell a big portion of the story, but not all of it, obviously. There's more to tell, so we're going to go through that for a little bit. There are some other headlines and different things with the team coming from this game that we want to share with you, and uh, we're going to do that. I appreciate all of you joining us live. I know if you're on the East Coast, if you're maybe somewhere else around the world, um, it, it's late for me, but I'm on the I'm on the West Coast, so it's only quarter to 10 here uh on on sunday night so maybe a little later for quite a few of you i appreciate you tuning in live or of course if you weren't able to join us live because of when we did go live thank you for downloading the show after the fact whether that's on itunes stitcher spotify google podcasts iHeartRadio, any of the big ones i and we appreciate that and if you love our show you want to make sure to check out all of the shows on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. Subscribe to that on your favorite audio streamer. All of those platforms make it available that I mentioned earlier. And of course, for us specifically, right around there, click that icon, subscribe to the YouTube channel, get notified when we go live and uh, when new material's out. So we've got a fun water cooler chat for you tomorrow. So we'll be doing that a little bit later in the afternoon as well going through some headlines with the Cincinnati Bengals and, of course, the AFC North, the rest of the NFL. So we'll be doing that and then our big show this week. And just more shameless self-promotion here. In case you did not know, our, our channel and our specific podcast had a big, big week last week. Uh, Ace and Zim on Orange is the New Black bringing you material. Matt Minnick doing his thing. Um, we were pleased to have a water cooler chat. We did a post-game show. We had a special interview with Devin and Leah still. So go check that out on all of the platforms. And uh, we had our big show on Wednesday. And then, of course, we had another big show on Friday. Listener questions live in a roundtable discussion with the guys from Locked On Bengals, Jake Liskow and James Rapine. So go check out all of those when you get a chance. All right, let's get to it. I'm, I'm done promoting <laughs> promoting all of the other things that uh, uh, are, we've been doing on the on the show, but hopefully you check out all that stuff that I mentioned. Now let's check out the box score if you do not mind. I you know sometimes I use the NFL.com box score. other times I like to use ESPN just because it's a little bit easier to read as I of course scroll over that and screw that up there. so sorry about that. Uh, at any rate, Let's, we're going to obviously pay more attention to the Bengals side, the right side of the screen, as opposed to the left side. I, I got to be honest with you. I had to look up who Reed Sinet was. I was not familiar with this kid at all. 
Um, and 22 of 33, Reed Sinnett, of course, a backup quarterback for Miami. 22 of 33, 343 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and a 108.5 rating against the Bengals defense, largely against backups and, and rotational players, but still a heck of a day for him. Um, uh, you know, he, I, I feel a little silly because he was sort of in my neck of the woods. He went to the University of San Diego private school down in this area. Very beautiful campus, by the way. But uh, at any rate, very, you know, high quality school, et cetera. Not necessarily known as a football powerhouse, but comes in here and is really doing some work for the Miami Dolphins here against the Bengals. Um, it was a little bit feast or famine. There were some times where, um, you know, if you look at the, the the score, the box score up top here, I'll kind of move my cursor over here, you know, seven points, seven points, a big goose egg in the third quarter. And then the, the 15 points in the final corner. So there was, there was a little bit of some uh, slow points uh, for the Miami offense, but um, you know, Hey, big, big game for him. Okay. That being said, look at the Bengals backup quarterbacks themselves here. Not a bad day for them. Kyle Shermer. Ah, well, you know what? Let's back up. Let's go to the guy at the bottom who only had one attempt on the day, and that was Joe Burrow. We got to give him props for going out there. I kind of got the feeling after the Bengals pulled him out after that one series, he wanted to play more. He wanted to do a little bit more, but they said, no, no, no. He had one pass attempt, uh, no yards completed, and a small handful of handoffs, and that was that. That was Joe Burrow's afternoon. He got a standing ovation, uh, rightfully so, by the crowd that was on hand at Paul Brown Stadium for returning for the first time since injuring his knee against Washington last year. So he was back and uh, threw one pass. What happened with that pass? Well, it was a little predictable in terms of what kind of pass play it was. It was a wide receiver screen to Jamar Chase. These are the types of passes that you would think get a quarterback and a wide receiver into rhythm in a game where there may be some jitters because they haven't played for a little bit in a game where they just kind of want to try and get things moving early and find a rhythm early. And Joe Burrow hits him right where he needs to, to hit Jamar chase, Jamar chase. My take on it and looking at it a couple of times, looked like he started to kind of look upfield a little bit before he secured the ball ball got out of his hands um, almost caused an interception there was kind of a little bit of a deal where they thought it was maybe a fumble obviously it was not ruled as such and then on top of that during the play Riley Reef was flagged for a personal foul penalty kind of just imploding everything that that was going on there so uh not a not a great start again for Jamar Chase in the Cincinnati Bengals offense Jamar Chase in the last two games four drops um you know you can credit however you want to credit the three from last week uh, you can credit whatever you need to do. Um, but there's the, the truth of the matter is there are four drops by Jamar chase in the past two games. This is the time that you want to see him drop the football. If there is a time that he has to go through this kind of rough patch preseason training camp, etc., you like to see it get out of the way now, but this is lingering and it's a little concerning. Now, Jamar Chase seemed to have a really good week of practice to respond to the rough game against Washington last week, but that didn't translate at least in one pass attempt in this game. Now, again, there are people that are jumping off the ledge on this. There are people that are not. Uh, I'm not jumping off the ledge, but that doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what I'm seeing out of Jamar Chase and, you know, I mean, what he means to this offense. There's a high probability that this offense in the passing offense will still center around Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. That doesn't mean that Jamar Chase won't get his looks. That doesn't mean that Jamar Chase won't get his touches. That doesn't mean that Jamar Chase won't be a big factor in the offense or at least the plans in it, but he needs to start catching the football point blank. Uh, and he needs to start inspiring some hope into the coaches. And, and now Going into that, I'm just going to stop real quick on the box score and relay and share a little article on from cincyjungle.com. Uh, let's see here. I will share it to you. This is continued support from uh, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. We'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow on the water cooler chat. But after the game, they both voice support for Jamar Chase after, in, after his drop. You can see the tweet here from Jeremy Roush. 
um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I'm not worried about it. I know the kind of guy and player Jamar Chase is. That was the, the tweet there. And Ben Baby relays the quote. Ben Baby, of course, of ESPN, friend of our program, Zach Taylor, shrugging off any concerns about Jamar Chase's drops in the last two preseason games, said those who have been at practice, a.k.a. us, have seen some great plays from him. And that That is particularly true this week. But it's the game. It's a game throw. It's something to that would have been a play that would have just jump-started the offense, even if it was something that would have netted very few yards it's just it's it's a play it's essentially a run play that is being i mean it's it's a pass play but it's essentially supposed to work like a run play where you get a handful of yards out of it you get a decent put yourself in decent position hopefully in second down third down get a handful of yards and keep moving forward this is i i i honestly think it was kind of a specifically designed pass play also to get the jitters out of both joe burrow and jamar chase early in this game and it just did not connect. I don't want to, I don't want to just belabor this whole thing with Jamar chase, but again, it's something that is going on now for two straight weeks. Jamar chase had two straight games, rather Jamar chase had some issues with drops on Sunday following the Washington game, but then the rest of the week of practice supposedly did very, very well. There's been some great moments in camp from Jamar chase. There's been some drops that have also been reported by Jamar chase throughout camp. So Got to get this out of the way. Got to get this out of the way now. And uh, again, if this is when it has to happen, this is, this is, I guess, the best play, uh, best time for this to happen at this point. But still concerning, concerning to say, say the least, uh, varying degrees of concern in terms of how fans maybe feel about it at this point. But that's uh, that, that's kind of the issue there. Now, moving on from Joe Burrow, again, not much to report there, except for the fact that he is he was back. He threw a pass. I uh, was in there for a handful of plays and then they said, you know what, take a seat and we'll work towards week one, a couple weeks from now, Kyle Shermer, pretty, pretty dang good game from him. there. 18 of 27, 206 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, a 7.6 yard per completion average, a 101.8 quarterback rating. Brandon Allen, a nice night as well. Five of nine, 87 yards, 9.7 yards per uh, per pass completion there, one touchdown, no interceptions, and a 125.7 rating. So the backup quarterbacks behind Joe Burrow played pretty well after uh, not having a great showing last week. Shermer had some good moments last week, also had uh, some bad ones as well. Um, Eric Dungy is no longer with the team, so it was really just Brandon Allen, Kyle Shermer, and this was really about this was, this was more about Shermer. You know, are we going to keep him on the practice squad? Is he going to be that emergency third quarterback on the active roster? Is this a guy we think that we can develop down the road as a guy that can be a backup quarterback to Joe Burrow? Who knows? But um, Kyle Shermer played played pretty well. 18 of 27, 206 yards and a touchdown. And again, 5 of 9, 87 yards and a touchdown from Brandon Allen. No no interceptions from the quarterbacks there. Let's let's scroll down to the receiving end since we're talking about them passing the ball. Trent Taylor, your leading receiver this, this evening. Three catches, 59 yards. Of course, the bulk of it coming on a 45-yard play where it was, I, I believe it was tipped by Stanley Morgan. Um, a, a ball that was kind of thrown in traffic, kind of landed right in the waiting arms of Trent Taylor, who took it all the way down to uh, deep into Miami territory and the Bengals subsequently scored there. So three catches, 59 yards on a 45 yard play to Taylor. Taylor was a guy that was a spring favorite, a summer favorite, a guy that was making a lot of headway and then really quieted in training camp and in preseason games. So this game to me was a lot about the Trents, Trent Taylor and Trent Irwin, And both of them stepped up and made a couple of nice plays um, the one thing with Taylor is three catches on the six targets. That's a, that's not great. Of course, you know, some of these guys with backup quarterbacks, backup wide receivers, they don't get to have and build the rapport that you would always like to see. But Taylor, three catches, 59 yards on that 45, most most of it on that 45-yarder there. Um, but o- only three catches on the six targets. That's a little concerning. Thad Moss, nine targets and, and only five catches. So that's that's not great there either. But five catches, 44 yards one of which was an 18-yarder. This guy's he's, he's playing his way on the roster. He's playing his way on the roster. Mitchell Wilcox had a 21-yarder, a guy. I like Mitchell Wilcox, a tight end out of uh, South Florida there. 
Um, he was an undrafted free agent last year. I like him, but he, he left the game with a concussion. So he, you know, it, it paved the way for Thad Moss to get some more time. Um, you know, Mason Shrek, I, I like the upside potentially there, but just he is not showing you much of anything. And then, you know, there's just not a lot behind Drew Sample and CJ Uzama in the tight end group that's sh- that's showing you a lot. So Thad Moss has a real realistic shot at making this team. And it looks like he may um, as a third tight end on this team and a guy they may line up as an H back at times, whatever. But, uh, you know, and, and Joe Burrow in post game quotes kind of basically said, you know, he's kind of a, a key in this offense going forward, making it sound like he's a guy that they're going to keep around. Um, so Thad Moss is, is doing some nice things. Again, you don't, you don't like to see the four missed targets there, but, uh, five catches, 44 yards. That's, that's decent. Mike Thomas, two catches, 40 yards. Um, one of which was a 32 yarder, uh, that was on three targets. Trent Irwin, I mentioned earlier, had a couple of nice plays, two catches, 39 yards. One of which was a 23 yarder, uh, caught everything his way. One was just a beautiful throw early in the game by Brandon Allen that just hit him in the numbers and stuck it right before, one of the defensive backs got over there to, to potentially jar it loose. He took a shot, did Irwin and hung onto the ball. So uh, Irwin making a case for him. It, it, you know, Taylor made things interesting with his performance tonight being the leading receiver in terms of yardage. But I think personally, I would maybe give the edge to, to Irwin as a final receiver spot. Um, I think Mike Thomas is going to make it. And uh, I don't know. If Stanley Morgan is, he had three catches to, on uh, for 26 yards. He did have that ball that was tipped up there. Stanley Morgan does a lot of the dirty work, a lot of the dirty work. He blocks well as a wide receiver. He does gunner work on special teams. So those are the things where he gets some additional value. Can he hang on to a roster spot? Is this a, you know, maybe the Bengals only keep two active quarterbacks on the roster, Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen, you would think. Uh, maybe they only keep three running backs on the roster, uh, and then they go a little heavier at wide receiver. I don't know. Maybe they keep seven there. I, I, I don't know. But uh, we'll talk running backs more in just a second. But uh, an interesting and and tough conundrum for the Bengals to to figure out as final cuts loom here. Chris Evans, fun player. He's just becoming a really fun player. One catch, 29 yards, a great touchdown um, touchdown reception. Another really nice throw by Brandon Allen to him. Got it right in there, right before the safety came over. Um, I believe Evans was lined up in the slot and just kind of shot up, did a little mini wheel route up the sideline, beat the defender. Allen dropped it in the bucket, and uh, Evans caught it and, and jolted it in the end zone there. So it was a, a nice play by him. A guy I think, you know, by all by – all, stretch of the imagination should be making the roster as one of the the final running backs there. I mentioned Morgan, three catches, 26 yards. Wilcox, the one catch for 21 yards before he left with an injury. Jaquez Patrick uh, getting involved in the passing game as well. Did have a drop, um, kind of a tough ball, but uh, two catches, 18 yards uh, on three targets. Scotty Washington, the one catch for nine yards, and it was a touchdown. Nice play. Uh, nice play by Shermer to find him late in the game. Washington's a guy that really intrigues me. You know, he's, he's a big guy. Um, he's kind of a little odd and tatish in terms of uh, his size, maybe a little quicker, but still more raw. He doesn't quite have uh, all the skills that odd and Tate does, but uh, there's, there's, he's a big guy and it should be a developmental guy. I don't think he has shown enough to keep him on the roster as of now, especially when you've got discussions surrounding Irwin, Thomas, Taylor, Morgan, um, some of those guys. But Washington should be a guy they keep around, hopefully on the practice squad, to develop a little more. Maybe he becomes a guy just because of his size that can be a niche player in the offense. Speaking of, of Auden Tate, one catch, five yards there. Um, you know, he, he I think he took a shot on that one, if I remember correctly. So, uh, But, hey, he, he got up. He was fine. Um, so Auden Tate, of course, is, is probably a lock to make the roster at this point. You know, you would think he's probably the fourth guy coming off coming off the, the the bench there as a wide receiver and probably should get a decent amount of looks in four wide receiver sets. Travion Williams back for the first time this preseason, two catches, three yards, nothing too special there. And then, of course, you see the Jamar Chase, zero catches on the one target. Let's go up to the rushing game. Look, I, I, I want to say this. It's been a little inconsistent on the run game, but when you look at the bottom line there, 20, 29 carries, 120 yards, and a 4.1 yard per carry average. Of course, by committee, there's eight people 
that uh, carried the football and, you know, one of which was quarterback Kyle Shermer getting three of them. However, when you look at a team, uh, you know, a team rushing statistic of over 100 yards and over four yards per carry, that's usually a pretty good indication of, uh, you know, you're, you're scoring points and you're doing things pretty well on offense. And then, of course, another touchdown on the ground. But Williams, uh, after being out of the lineup for the entire preseason, had 44 yards on the ground to go with those two catches. Uh, nine carries, 44 yards, a 4.9 per yard per carry average. Jacquez Patrick, 10 carries, 43 yards, just continues to do the tough work. A big guy. He did have the touchdown after the Trent Taylor catch that that put him right near the goal line there. So he he was able to punch it in, and he did have a long of a 15-yard run, as did Travion Williams. Evans, not so much. I mean, he had the big, the big pass catch, not so much. Uh, in terms of great play uh, as a running back, he did have a nice five-yard run uh, about midway through the game, but three carries, 10 yards there, only a 3.3-yard per carry average. Shermer, three carries, nine yards. Mixon, one carry, five yards. Taylor, one carry, four yards. Pirine's had a tough preseason. Uh, Limited touches, they seem to like him, and I would assume with the limited touches and everything, he's a lock. Uh, Jacquez Patrick is making a just kind of an interesting argument, I guess, or an interesting chat point about, Hey, which, which big back do you keep? Um, and, and is Patrick, you know, maybe someone you, you keep over P Ryan P Ryan, you know, he's been in that two yards per carry, three yards per carry this preseason. He lost a fumble. So there's not, I mean, very, very limited touches. I, I think he's safe and everything, but um, you know, it's just kind of a talking point to think about. Uh, as you look at the running backs. But again, 29 carries, total of 120 yards, 4.1 yards per car- uh, yards per carry, and then a touchdown on the ground. Pretty, you know, it's it's methodical. It's nothing spectacular, but uh, methodical. Thad, uh, Thad Moss did have a fumble. He did not lose it. Uh, so, you know, that's something to, to note there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's go on defense. I was pretty pleased with the early group on defense. Um, The early group on defense was, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't Sam Hubbard. It wasn't Mike Daniels. It wasn't DJ reader. Really. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of kind of backup slash rotational guys and they stepped up and played very well. And I got to tell you, Joseph Osai was probably, you know, I really like the picks of Joseph Osai and Deontay Smith in this year's draft class. I really did. I mean, of course, I'm excited about Chase and hopefully Jackson Carmen, um, who, by the way, after the game said he was getting more comfortable at playing guard there. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, hopefully you you can look at you can see those guys in the development that's that's taking place with Deontay Smith and uh, uh Joseph Osai, of course, before he got injured. But what I'm what I was very, very, you know, saddened by Joseph Osai basically missing all of 2021 with that injury. But I'm I've been pretty impressed at what the Bengals have been able to do on defense to be able to generate pressure. I know it's preseason, I know it's vanilla, I know that some, you know, some of these guys that are generating the pressure and and who they're generating it against may not be on NFL rosters or, you know, on a specific roster or starting games, anything like that. I get it. But Darius Hodge, let's look at the line here. Three total tackles, a sack, of course, the tackle for loss and two quarterback hits. Um, so you love that. You love to see that early in the game, Khalid Kareem in the first drive, first, very first play from scrimmage. He shoots off the line and hits the quarterback and causes an incompletion there and then has a sack to end the drive a couple of plays later. So, uh, you know, they're able to to generate some pressure here. The Bengals, 
I want to I want to show you something here, and this kind of ties back into the offensive performance as well as um, since we're talking defense. Look, look at this here, okay? I'm going to go back. If you look at this column here, this column, there's sacks and tackles for lost, right? Sacks and tackles for lost. If you're watching the the video here, where my where my mouse arrow is in the middle columns, let's see. Let's look all at the bottom here. If you go on the Miami side, zero sacks given that they got on Bengals quarterbacks and only one tackle for loss. Bengals, on the other hand, three sacks, five tackles for loss. I got to tell you, I, again, I know we can, we can question the competition that they're going up against, limited snaps, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Frank Pollock's making his mark, folks. He is making his mark on this team. The, the first units in the first – Two games did not allow pressure, did not allow sack. Another game where they allowed a goose egg in the sack column. Um, I'd mentioned the 4.1 yards per carry on the ground. And then, of course, on the Bengals side, of the, so on, on the offensive line, you like to see that. And then, of course, when you look at the Bengals defense, three total sacks, five total tackles for loss. Now, when you look at total tackles for loss, obviously that, you know, I think they account for quarterback sacks in that. So there were two additional tackles for loss that the Bengals defense made. But still, that is a big disparity and one that really, really plays well into the Bengals corner. And you have to like what the offensive line is doing. It's not necessarily pretty. It's not absolutely outstanding. You're seeing some things the past couple of weeks from Riley Reef that are a little concerning and there's some other, you know, other penalties on you. I think Fred Johnson had kind of a little bit of a rough go of it tonight, but overall this is a much more disciplined group, a much more, I, I, I said this, I, I think with John on Wednesday, John Sheeran, my co-host, it just seems like this group just understands the game a little bit better and understands their assignments more than we've seen in, in the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of the players talk, you know, absolutely applaud Frank Pollock and what he's doing and everything. Uh, but numbers also tell you the story. Now we don't know the, the PFF scores quite yet. Uh, the PFF scores so far in the preseason, the first two games, you know, guys like Mike Jordan are hovering in the mid eighties. Uh, Xavier Suofilo is just below 80 in terms of pass blocking grade. So, I mean, they're, there are guys doing a lot of work. We've seen Billy Price put out a couple of nice clips there as well. So, uh, you know, the disparity of what we're seeing here also not only points to the offensive line play by the Bengals, but also how the Bengals are trying to scrape together things in the absence of Joseph Osai. So um, I, I wanted to highlight that offensive line play. I didn't want to gloss over that. But uh, I, I also want to applaud the Bengals' defense a bit. Darius Hodge, though, making a real case for himself to make this team. Really making a – I mean, especially with Osai's injury. He may have made it even with Osai healthy. I don't know. But now that really paves the way. I mean, he – the last couple of weeks, he's been a guy that has come in and he's he's right away, third down, you know, nickel package, et cetera. He's, he's there right away. Um amid starters or today, you know, the heavy rotators, et cetera. So, uh, I mean, it seems that they've got some good plans for him and they like, he's been one of the best defensive players for the Bengals this preseason. So, uh, you know, kudos to him there. You see Khalil McKenzie, he had a tackle for loss. Ty Tyler Shelvin getting some work, three total tackles. Ronell Wren, same deal, three total tackles. Uh, the, Khalil McKenzie also had a, uh, a quarterback hit, which was which was good. Again, look at Khalid Kareem, two tackles. Uh, he had the sack. He had a quarterback hit. Got to like that. Camp Sample, same deal, man. Uh, he had the the one tackle, one sack. You know, the quarterback hit. He's he's another guy that I think is going to be a very valuable player, especially in the wake of Osai. It's kind of a bummer. The Bengals. It, basically invested in three pass rushers in the draft and two of which are gone for the year, White, Hubert, and Joseph Osai. So Sample now is a guy that's going to be moved inside on some passing downs. He's going to be moved, you know, outside here and there. He's he's really going to have to step up, and uh, he's been one of the better defensive players for the pre, in the preseason for the Bengals as well. So um, those are some of the things there. A little bit of a rough go 
of you know the the back end units on on defense because as you see fourth quarter they gave up 15 points they're just kind of some fluky plays by Miami that ended up getting them the win but uh you know the the groups through I mean giving up 14 points through three quarters with kind of a patchwork group there um you, you have to like a lot of the things that you saw there uh in terms of the defense uh, there's you see uh Trayvon Henderson haven't had a nice game as well an interception for 25 yards a guy trying to make uh make the team as a backup backup safety there uh, i mean he's been on and off this roster for a while and uh had a nice night tonight um Travion Williams, one return for 23 yards, not a lot of kick return, punt return action. Uh, here's Trent Taylor, you know, the guy that was supposed to do a lot on, on special teams there. One one return for minus one yard. Uh, Darius Phillips did have a, a punt return, but it was, you know, fair caught. So, you know, nothing there. The kicking game. My, oh my, this, this might be the best story from the Bengals or the best performances from the Bengals in the preseason, how their kickers are playing. And you may say big whoop, but that is a big facet to a lot of different, you know, a, a lot of different uh, successes or failures really with a lot of different teams and the Bengals uh, credit Randy Bullock. He had uh, for him a, a good bounce back of the season at, at times last year after that debacle in week one. Um, but, you know, at the end of the year, the writing was on the wall. The Bengals were kind of healthy scratching them and trying to see what they would get out of other kickers. And then of course they drafted Evan McPherson. What has Evan McPherson did uh, done this, this preseason? Oh, he's just been perfect. <laughs> he's been absolutely perfect in the preseason for the Bengals I'm going to play this one. This is Evan McPherson, and uh, this is the Bengals' Twitter account. 57 yards right before the half. A little blurry, I apologize, but 57 yards, and he would have hit that from 65. I mean, it, it hooks, but the power on that, I mean, that that was absolutely drilled, drilled. Uh, 57 yarder here from Evan McPherson, the Bengals day three pick at kicker. He is looking like a weapon. It's, it's going to be, a, I don't want to jinx the poor kid. It seems like the job is his. It's going to be interesting. Inevitably he will, as do all kickers, miss an extra point, miss a kick or whatever in the regular season. It's since he hasn't had that issue in a game in the preseason. It's going to be interesting to see how he can bounce back from that. I don't want to him to experience that. I hope he kicks perfect, but uh, you know, sometimes rookie kickers and kickers in general, you know, they just kind of like what Jamar chases. There's a, there's a, they get in a funk and it, it's a mental thing, but uh, you know, right now this kid is just playing extremely, extremely well. And kudos to Austin Seibert as well, who hit another field goal and in all likelihood, you would think he's going to be playing somewhere. Very interesting situation playing out here. Did the Bengals try and do some weird poker game where they hang on to two kickers and try and deal one uh, for for you know a draft pick or another player or what have you? I don't know, um, but I, I I don't think they're going to keep two kickers just based on the crowding of certain other position groups. But it's just kind of an interesting food for thought type of thing. If that's what they may do, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. I really don't, but uh, the kicking game is looking quite, quite strong for the Bengals, namely in Evan McPherson and what he will bring as a rookie um, as, as a kicker. And, you know, Mike Ross in here says it's sad that our best player in this draft class is an injured OSI and our kicker. Yeah. But like I mentioned, Cam Sample is playing pretty well. Uh, I think Tyler Shelvin's going to have a role, particularly as you see the games develop against the AFC North and those teams wanting to run the ball late in the season, getting that big guy in there. That's going to be key. Uh, you know, we don't we don't know exactly what's what's going on with Deontay Smith and and his role going forward, but he seems to be pretty promising. So there's there's some promising players. Jackson Carmen seems he's still really young. He seems to kind of be 
on the upswing a little bit. Now we just got to get Chase catching and securing the football a, a lot better. Uh, and it sounds, you know, oh, ju oh, just that. I, I mean, it's a big deal. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think he'll be okay, but it, it that needs to remedy itself pretty quickly. And there are other players in this draft class that, uh, you know, will be – will be contributing just a matter of how and when, et cetera. So it does also seem to me that Kevin Huber will be the team's punter. Uh, Drew Chrisman was activated, but did not punt on, uh, on Sunday night against Miami. So Kevin Huber, three kicks, 150 yards total there. One inside the 20. It just seems like this may be the last year they'll they'll hang on to Huber, try and develop Chrisman, and then maybe go from there. But uh that's kind of the the tale of the tape in terms of stats and whatnot. Now there are just like I said, I, I we can talk a little bit more about this before we get out of here, but um th there are some hard decisions to be made by the Bengals there. How, how deep do you go on offensive line, particularly in the t interior? How deep do you go on the defensive line? And, and how can you generate a pass rush outside of Sam Hubbard, outside of Trey Hendrickson? And how are you able to create a situation by committee to remedy the loss of Osai because Osai there's not, there's not a, someone who has the athletic profile and overall raw ability of Osai in terms of who's left on this team, but can you generate it with a, a conglomeration of Hodge, Noah Spence camp sample. I mean, can, can you create something that comes pretty close in terms of potential production that Osai would have given you from a pass rush standpoint you know, you'd like, you'd like to think those guys are capable of doing that. Um, and, and they've been kind of showing it in preseason. Uh, they've been showing it in preseason. So uh, there's there's a lot to be excited about. I know it's, it's hard to say, let's get excited after a loss, but it is a preseason loss after all, that not a ton of work by the starters. And the guys that you wanted to show up and play well, to grab a final roster spot, to, to compete for a spot, to compete for more time, even though they have a roster spot locked up. Uh, for the most part, they played pretty well. They played pretty well. The offensive line is a is far from perfect. I think there's going to be continued improvement as the year goes on. You may even see a different starting five later in the year than you do at the beginning of the year. But this, if you're gauging the sack totals, if you're gauging the quarterback hit totals, if you're ga gauging the pressure totals, the offensive line is improved. So when you have guys like Chris Sims and Mike Florio going off, you know, off the rails in terms of, you know, the, the Bengals are doing wrong by Joe Burrow by putting him out there today uh, because he is clearly not ready. And he is, uh, you know, th th them, and others that are that aren't really seeing, they're kind of taking headlines and running with it, and not really doing some of the due diligence on on these things. And it's not just them; it's a lot of others. It's a lot of other people that have grabbed headlines from a, a few weeks ago. And and regardless, it, it's not an accurate picture. And I think my point is, it's not to throw anybody under the bus. It's more to say, take a look at some of these numbers. Take a look at some of the PFF scores of these players who had previously struggled. See what they're doing now in uh, under the tutelage of their new offensive line coach. See the PFF scores. Look at the pressure rates. Look at the quarterback hit numbers. Look at the sack numbers in preseason. I know it's preseason. But you can take some stock in that. There's some stock in that for sure. So I, there, there, there are positives to be taken from this game. And, uh, you know, the offense is putting up some points. And the, I think there was a lot of the players who did not play well last week, for the most part, bounced back and played well. You can you could look at the backup quarterback situation and, and talk about that. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be, 
I think there will be uh, some new, uh, quite a few new faces and ones where you say, okay, well, that's, that's going to work with Joe Burrow in terms of the players who end up on the final roster. And I'm really looking at Thad Moss on that front. I'm really looking at Thad Moss on that front. I think Thad Moss um, is playing himself onto this roster for better, or for worse, depending on how you look at it. And obviously the rapport there with Joe Burrow and the friendship that's there, all of that. Um, and that's, you know, the friendship, et cetera, is not necessarily a very good reason for, for a player to make the roster. But um, I think the Bengals are doing a lot to create an atmosphere, a scenario, and an offense for Joe Burrow, wherein he feels like he can excel like he did at LSU in 2019. So keeping a guy like Thad Moss, bringing in Jamar Chase, you know, bringing in a lot of LSU guys and, and guys he's familiar with, uh, you know, that that's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. So, um, I, I, you know, we'll see what happens and if some, how much of fools, because look with preseason play, there's always going to be an element of fool's gold and some of these stats and PFF scores and all that there's limited snaps. They're going, you know, I said this like four times already on this, on this show, limited snaps, who you're going up against, all that kind of stuff. But there are still, you can still take stock in some of this stuff. I'm seeing here the positive universal project. David G says with the line playing even this well, Burrow's going to be so much better than last year. If it continues on what we're talking about, yeah, that's that's the hope. And that's, you would think that that would wipe away some of the narratives that we've heard all off season. And I still remains to be seen in terms of play in the regular season. But I got to say, you know, I, I, I believed in Frank Pollock. And I, I thought that he could turn around this offensive line, at least to make it average or like league average. Just just be right down the middle in terms of the league. If you're able to do that in major metrics and statistical categories with the offensive line, this team will be this team will be fine. Um I wasn't a big believer in terms of, you know, can we get this to be at an excellent level because the Bengals didn't really invest, particularly in free agent uh, free agency. Riley Reef's a nice player. He's a good player. Uh, but they didn't go get the upper tier guards in free agency or whatnot. I, I was a little hesitant to put all my eggs in the Frank Pollock basket in terms of making this a really, really good unit right away. Um, they're still not there. But like I said, a lot of these numbers in preseason, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits, you know, all these kinds of things, depending on who you're talking about, which unit, et cetera. It looks pretty, it looks promising. looks promising for sure. looks promising. So uh, like I said, there are positives to be taken away from this and hopefully we are able to do that. Even though the Bengals lost, there's going to be more coming down the pike in terms of final roster cuts and all kinds of different things. We'll get you covered on cincyjungle.com with all the news, opinions, analysis, et cetera. So Definitely, definitely keep it there. We're going to be with you for just a couple more minutes talking about the Bengals' 26-29 loss to Miami. Before we do, I want to tell all of you about Symbol. And Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, is the stock market for sports. For sports, you can buy teams like stocks. So if you play the stock market, if you play fantasy football, if you play survival football, if you do any of that stuff, you got to put symbol in your rotation. The website, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. I'm sharing the website with you there. You get incentives by using the promo code O-B-I by signing up with symbol and you use that promo code, you get financial incentives to sign up with them and it goes into your account this is, this is something that can be a short-term play, a long-term play, whatever the case may be. If you want to invest in a team and all of a sudden, hey, they get off to a real hot start and you made some money right away, boom, you can you can offload that and make some money. Uh, if you feel that there is a team that is rebuilding and it may take a couple years or two or what have you, and you're going to hang on to it and play it for a long-term type of gain, you can do that. And it's not just the Bengals. It's not just the NFL. You can do college football, baseball. Uh, you know, all kinds of different sports. So you're not limited to, you know, the Bengals or the NFL. 
if you want to use the promo code OBI. So go to symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash OBI. Sign up, use that promo code OBI to get some incentives and uh, have some fun with it. Make some money, especially if it's on a team that you are passionate about. What's better than making money on a team that you're passionate about? You got to like that. Uh we're going to be here just a couple more minutes. We're going long and it's late. I appreciate it. We've actually got quite a few people tuning in live here for it being, gosh, 1.30 or so on the East Coast. Appreciate you all tuning in live and, and staying up late here with us. But uh, the Bengals do lose to Miami. It was a game they were, they, I kind of felt like they were in pretty good control of until kind of late in the fourth quarter and some fluky plays and whatnot. Uh, so Bengals lose to Miami. A couple of wacky games with Miami over the course of the past few years here. So if you can go back to 2018 with the the Sam Hubbard game that he, you know, the Bengals were down in that one and they came back and the, the game that the Tua Joe Burrow bowl the year after uh, that was another one um, that uh, was, it was kind of a wacky one. So went all the way to overtime Bengals end up losing and securing that number one overall pick. So, and then of course this one in preseason, but um, uh yeah, it's, I'll say this. Uh, some some folks are kind of wondering, well, you know, why didn't Zach Taylor kick a field goal there at the end, maybe go for the tie, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I actually see the wisdom in either decision there, be it because it's preseason. Um, you know, if you wanted to give one of your kickers another shot at a, at a big kick, um, you, you could have possibly done that. Uh, would have been would have been a big kick if I remember correctly. I'd have to look exactly you know where they were, but the Bengals, um, you know, I mean they, that was an option that that was there, or they could have gone for the win, and they went for the win. Zach Taylor didn't want to tie, and uh, you know wanted to go for the win, and it didn't work out for him. But uh, some people are, some people are, I don't know, they have mixed opinions about that. At least what I've seen on on Twitter, but. Uh, I, I like the decision, particularly in preseason. Go for it. I think that the decision would be different in a regular season scenario, but I, I don't have a problem with it. Trying to go go for the win there um, in kind of a, a wacky situation, a wacky game there, and the Bengals trying to find, especially trying to find some more answers on offense in terms of who's going to fill out the back end of the roster. So positions to watch before we get out of here. What's going on at running back? What's going on at the back end of the depth chart at wide receiver? And then, of course, these versatile guys, right? The guys that can maybe play some different positions. And do they end up going light at some of these spots because they feel they've got a guy that can play two positions? I'm talking about Deontay Smith being a guard tackle. Be an interesting conversation if, uh, uh, you know, the Bengals are – uh, if they were pretty adamant about the plan that he's kind of been bounced around a little bit on the offensive line. So, you know, it, that uh, a guy like that, does he cause them to maybe go a little lighter because he can play multiple positions? Um, I don't know. A guy like Chris Evans and what, what he has done so far, I think he he's going to make the roster, but if he's going to be, looked at as a wide receiver, a, a running back, a little bit of both, obviously. Um, you know, does that tweak with wide receiver and running back numbers? Uh, and and if so, how? So, uh, you know, you got a guy like Ricardo Allen, who got a lot of time this evening. Um, if he's a guy they keep around, he kind of plays a little slot corner and, and safety. I think they want him a little bit more safety here. But, uh, you know, is that a guy that's going to tweak some numbers as well? So some of these some of these guys that can kind of kill two proverbial roster birds with one stone because of the fact that they have played multiple positions, can play multiple positions, how is that going to affect other groups? What's going to happen with the numbers there? And then, of course, like I said, I when the Bengals announce a, a final roster, um, expect them to be scouring the waiver wire. And I expect them to make – a move, maybe even two, whether that's a pass rusher, an offensive lineman, uh, maybe even a tight end. Uh, I, I don't know. Those are some of the, the thinner groups there, but uh, I I just don't think the Bengals will be done after they announce their quote-unquote final roster. And there may also be guys that they cut 
and don't put on the practice squad immediately or, or don't announce that they're on the practice squad immediately. And because they make some other moves or what have you, then those guys, they kind of have a little handshake deal in place where they bring those guys back a little bit later. And, and I, I will say this, this is also the time of year that I've noticed particularly with Bengal fans where there's, there is an overvaluing of players in terms of uh, if they cut this guy, he's, he's going to get scooped up right away. He's going to get, he's going to go, go on waivers right away. It, that just hasn't happened as much as we think that it does. It's happened, but it's, it's not overly common. So if the Bengals keep, uh, don't keep a player that we all think is a valuable commodity, whether it's a developmental project or whatnot um you know let's not knee-jerk reaction and say oh they blew it this guy's gonna be scooped up right away whatever uh it's possible but we've seen the Bengals be able to bring back a lot of these guys that they cut onto the practice squad maybe onto the active roster a little uh you know we've seen it time and time again so let's not let's not fly off the handle uh I, I don't know I mean if you want to fly off the handle go for it but I would recommend you just kind of sit and wait and see how things play out. But uh, at any rate, that's going to do it for us on the post game show. Thank you everybody for joining us late, uh, late, late, late. If you're joining us live, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading after the fact and keep it to Cincy jungle for all the Bengals roster news. All of that. We've got you covered there. We've got, a water cooler chat for you tomorrow afternoon. We've got our big show on Wednesday and much, much more coming at you. Of course, keep it to Cincy Jungle, like I mentioned, and subscribe to the podcast channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for all the content. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a good start to your week, and we will see you soon. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.